up the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. He is our Savior. He's our King. He's our Rescuer. Amen? Join us as we sing Rescuer. He's our Rescuer. He's our Rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our Rescuer. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the one who walked away. 
There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. He is beauty for the blind man. Riches for the poor, he's wretched for the one the world ignores. He's passion for the weary, rest for those who strive. Oh, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. So come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affliction here at the foot of Calvary. Come on. So come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affliction. Here at the foot of Calvary, He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound! Oh, how grace abounds! We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. Amen. For all the saints who from their labors rest to thee by faith before the world confess thy name, O Jesus. Forever blessed, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Thou wast their rock, their fortress and their might. Thou wert their captain in the wealth of Thou in the darkness drew their Just cry. 
could not hold him. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for your great power, might, beauty, grace, mercy, justice. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear this morning, to answer the call that you've laid out before us. Help us, Lord. Hear our praises as we sing. I normally bring two of these, and on the days I don't bring two, this happens. See, honey, that's why I need at least two. And then when the backup goes, all right, we're back. The 
so alive I can see your heart in everything you've done Every part designed in a work of art called love You gladly chose surrender so Kids, the time has come. Head out that way, ages three to third grade as they go, and I'm going to invite Dave Kluwer up to lead us in prayer. And as Dave Kluwer prays, the ushers can come on down. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for such a uh, wonderful day today. I just want to say thank you so much for gracing us all with the breath of life again. For Lord, we know we do not deserve it. Uh, God, I just ask that uh, you be with the hearts as they give today, Lord. It's not how much. It's the, uh, it's the point of actually just obeying and giving. Lord, you know where our hearts are at. God, I just ask that uh, you speak through uh, Pastor John today, um, and I just ask that you allow us to uh, actually hear what you have to say. Lord, we thank you so much, and Lord, we uh, we just ask that you uh, bless us in the upcoming week, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Welcome. Great to see everybody today. If you are a guest with us, Welcome. In the pouch in front of you, there's a little card. On that card, there's some blank spots. We'd love you to fill in the blank spots with the uh, requested information. Give it to one of these folks or drop it in the wooden box on your right on the way out. Uh, special announcements. Could you help serve communion on a Sunday morning? If you have functional legs and arms, I believe you could. We need a few more volunteers to help serving. Please let Pastor Derek or Jody know, neither of whom are here. Interesting. <laughs> not that I'm checking, but I'm checking. I know who's here and who's not here every week, all right? I see you people. We have two families looking for apartments. Please see the bulletin for more information. If you are reading the Daily Bible, you should currently be up to page 1336. If you're reading an ebook, you should be on October 14th. Please see the bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Before I go, we have a click. A quick video clip on Financial Peace University, which we're going to be uh, rolling out here shortly. So, uh, Rai Rai, why don't you cue that up? And uh, when that's done, Pastor John's going to come up and share the word. 
What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it! I'm not going to live like this anymore! now we're really meddling, aren't we, huh? Oh, boy. Yeah, so Glenn Peterson, are you here? And Dean Lucas, stand up so we can uh, know who to avoid. I mean, uh, who to... There they are, right there. Big fans. And uh, I know, I know Dean... What's that? I'm, I'm a big fan, Dean. I can't help myself. Who's not going to make it out of here alive? Dean or me? Oh, <laughs> after what you said, Pastor John? There's an old preacher quip. The, uh, the most vicious fight a preacher ever fights is the one with a man hanging onto his pocketbook. I don't fight that fight. That's a Holy Spirit fight, right? Really, if, um, if there isn't some reflection in your, your, your schedule book and your checkbook, not that we use checks anymore, but everybody get the picture, checkbooks, uh, even, you still use a checkbook? All right. Then if there's not some indication of kingdom activity in there, then probably you're not a disciple. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Because, uh, it does possess your whole life when you come to know Christ. It's a great thing. But anyway, that's a, that is a great program. Um, I could go on a little bit about it, but, uh, I'm inviting you. If money's running you instead of you running your money, Anybody know what I mean? Yeah, no, that doesn't happen, does it? Nobody here's got any issues. Uh, that'd be worth uh, plowing through and uh, enjoying. We've been in a series. Before I talk about our series on the Daily Bible, uh, the music this morning, the words of the songs were great, right? Uh, some really good stuff. One I'm going to park on relates to our sermon, For All the Saints Who From Their Labors Rest. What a great song. And uh, good job this morning. Um, there were uh, some others that speak of the same thing. If, if God was willing to give his son and his son was willing to yield, so will I. I think that has something to do with the difference between true Christianity and churchianity. Right? Churchianity is pretty empty. Christianity is lively if you have the real thing. But let me mention a couple of things uh, in terms of leadership toward the into the spirit into the fall. This coming fall, we're going to celebrate the fact that we've recouped enough to put people back in uh, eldership, and we have deacons and uh, uh, deaconesses and an FNF team and, and elder leaders, and we have pastoral staff, uh, multiples, uh, interns, etc. It's kind of cool. And um, so we're going to celebrate some of that and also uh, kind of speak into it and have a time of celebration. We may change the date because I found out in email that some, like, we only have so many, and if the, some of them are missing, what's the point? You know, it's like throwing a party without the person, you know, who's 
party it's about. So that's not going to work, so we'll try that. In the fall, we crank up ministries again. Um, Kids' own church downstairs, which is uh, previously would be known as children's church. You got to have it on a Sunday morning, unless you want to all hang out together all morning in complete chaos. I'm gay, man. I can preach louder than any screaming kid. Trust me. But we need people to step up, and uh, those who are uh, like new members, or if you're an attender. There are some options for entry-level service. I mentioned this with Awana. It's a simple, some simple things that can be done, giving, uh, walking through memory verses. I don't know any memory verses. Guess what? By the time you teach another kid, you will. And that's a, the fun thing to do. So if you're available or interested in putting your hand to something in the kingdom, and I'm hoping by the end of my message we will be encouraged to do so, um, please call um, the office. Talk to Pastor Tim. Can I have you stand, too, just for people who may not know you yet, which is hard to believe, but they probably do. We do have some new people here today. And uh, Pastor Tim or um, Mrs. Simons, Jennifer Simons. I don't know if she's here. She's not. What's that? She's doing nursery. So go in there and say hi to her. Just go in and say, who's Mrs. Simons? And she'll tell you, I'm sure. All right. We've been doing something together as a church. I know some of us have kind of fallen by the wayside on this, and I want you to know I completely forgive you. But we're reading the Bible through together because, amazingly, many times we haven't ever. Some of us have never been through it at all, even if we've professed belief in Christ for a long time, right? I'm not making that up. And so it was a great opportunity to do that, especially with the version that we're using, this the Daily Bible. Effligard Smith was the editor, and he has a unique way of kind of packaging it so that it helps coach you along, so you kind of understand what God's doing behind the scenes from beginning of creation through the Old Testament, which most people are like, what? What is all that? And uh, that generated a lot of questions the first year we started it, right? People were like, I never knew that was in there. That's the whole point. And uh, seeing what God was actually doing and then leading up to this whole culmination of the plan of redemption in the person of Jesus, I'm, I'm reading ahead. I just finished this morning the resurrection. Isn't that cool? The re- Jesus did not stay dead. And that's literally true. Oh, really? You believe that? Yes, completely. And because he is alive, that's why I know that we shall also live. There was something, if the grave refused to hold him, uh, what was he, came out of the grave? What were the words to that, Mike? So will I. Yes, that's close enough. There you go. Your strings break and you can't quote it. Okay, so thank you, bro. So, so will I. I will rise from the dead because Jesus has led the way for me. Amen? Amen. All right, so... What we've been doing is trying to answer Q&A out of the daily Bible. So I had a little bit of leftovers from last week. So I've got to finish that. And I'll be blunt. It, some of it may be a bit emotional, just to be frank, because of the subject, because of the questions that were asked. And then we'll move on to some less uh, intense, I guess would be a good way to put it. And I'll give time, as I do periodically, for those of you who are wondering what kind of a place this is, it's a very strange place. It's called Harmony Baptist, and the pastor is weird. <laughs> he has a strange sense of humor. Don't get too excited, Kathy. And 
He has a strange sense of humor, first of all. And second of all, he takes questions from the floor. So I will be taking questions, two points in the message today. But before we start, could we just pray together? Let's pray. I want to thank you, Jesus, for your mercy to us. We're alive and breathing today. We live in a land where we can, at this point, still gather publicly and worship the name of Jesus. We have the freedom to name his name and claim him as Lord and follow him and try to obey him in a rather um, declining and oppositional culture at times. Still, we thank you for the liberty that we have. We thank you, more importantly, that you not only gave us physical life, you gave us eternal life. And you also give to your disciples abundant life. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, Lord, uh, that authority that is given in the name and person of our Lord Jesus Christ, who conquered death itself, crushed the head of Satan with his heel, and delivered his people from the prison house of sin. On that authority, Lord, I'm pleading your spirit's work upon us this morning. That, Lord, the opposition and the darkness of the enemy against my mind as well as against the minds of your people would be broken today. That those who are looking in, listening, wondering, would have light come upon them to understand that, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you but that you came that we might not only have life, but that we would have it to the fullest. The glory of God, your glory is man, your ultimate creation, fully alive, fully living what you've called us to be as those who reflect your image. In the name of Jesus, would you rebuke our adversary and his unbelief, his deadness, that, um, that uh, confusion that comes down, that deception that tells us, oh, I can't really believe that, or it doesn't work in our modern age, all of which is a lie from the pit. We ask God for the Holy Spirit to help us today. Give us ears to hear. Help your servant in his weakness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Okay, I'm going to read a portion of scripture. If you want to follow along, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you somewhere. You can pull one out and turn in your Bible to Matthew, the 20th, 20th chapter. I thought if you're doing this for the first time, I probably ought to tell you what page it's on, right? If it's the first time you ever opened uh, one of these. Matthew 20 is on page 981. 981. The first 16 verses, this is my old rundown Bible. I'm going to read it out of the one you have. If you want to follow along, that way you know I'm not making this up. Chapter 20 of the book of Matthew. <clears throat> By the way, can you just hold your place right there? My title is Rethinking Retirement. And all of you who are like one year away, it's time to start rethinking. Hey, come on. We have to play fair here. Um, you know, I had my target date in mind. 
2020. Did you know that? So then as, as the Lord, ha- oh, be quiet, Gene. And so as the Lord has a, my friend over here is rubbing it in, give me a little, you know, as the Lord has his sense of humor, have you noticed that God has a sense of humor? If you've tried to follow him, you make stupid mistakes like saying, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to, I don't want to commit to missions because I know God's going to send me to this country and I don't want to go there. Or as I once said, for those of you, you're new to this, you won't know this story, the older timers know this, that I actually said to my wife one day when I heard about some struggling church down in Middletown, I'll never go to Middletown. (laughs) Can you believe a preacher can be that dumb to actually say something like that? Well, guess where we are? And not only, then I'm thinking, here's the end of the road. You guys, you know, and now, now we're, we're going to buy a house and move in. And, and it's like, okay, maybe I have to rethink retirement a little bit. Maybe, maybe God's starting to do something here, and I want to faithfully steward that into the future. And I hope you want to as well. So sometimes you have to rethink retirement. You ever see those uh, big Winnebagels going down the road? That was a joke, Winnebagel. I, I know, I know the difference. And um, and it says on the back, "I'm out spending my grandchildren's inheritance." You ever see that? I I think um, Dave Ramsey would make you rethink your retirement a little, wouldn't you? Right? Isn't there a better way to invest my life than that? Welcome back, you guys. Gesundheit. <laughs> so I've had to rethink retirement. I want us to rethink a little bit about glory. So here's where it comes up. This is a wonderful passage. You want to talk about the kind of passage that will just make you angry. Here it comes. Jesus is trying to get some principles through to our kind of stubborn thinking processes. That means our difficulty in, in letting go. We have this strange idea that we're in charge of everything, right? I can run the world. Anybody got relatives like that? Anybody won? Anyway, you know, yes, I'm going to run the world. It's going to go this way. It never does. Here's what happens. Jesus is speaking. He says, I'm trying to get this point across. Verse 30 of the, the last verse of the previous chapter. Many who are first will be last and the last first. Don't you hate statements like that? Especially those of you had practice getting into the parks down in Florida. You know, you're always first. What? How fair would that be if you end up last? For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, that's a day's wage, okay, for that day. That's a full day's wage. So he agrees with them. Full day's wage. He sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour. He goes into the marketplace. He sees that uh, others are standing around, you know, smoking and looking for something to do. And that was in there. You just had to look a little closer. (laughs) They're idle in the marketplace. And to those, he said, you also ought to go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, I'll give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour. By the day, the days count differently. You know, this is now he's at noon, I think, and uh, moves on. The next few hours will be later in the afternoon. And in the ninth hour, he did the same thing. 
About the 11th hour, five in the evening, he goes out and finds others standing around. He says to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, well, no one came in and hired us. He said to them, go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those who were hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Uh Uh-oh. Then those hired first came. They thought they would receive more, but they got a denarius. And when they received it, can you imagine this? They grumbled. And so litigations began. (laughs) That's where lawyers came from, right here. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden and scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? I mean, i got a signed contract here. Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? And so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Don't you hate stories like that? Jesus is so mean. We get wrong thinking about eternity, about what we think is fair. If we really got fair or what we did, oh my goodness, no denarius at all, no heaven. So you have to have a different way of thinking to have God's economy in mind. Let me tell you where I'm going in the end. Anything you invest for Jesus, he's going to bless you. Don't miss it. But we need to rethink eternity. I thought about this a while back. I had the privilege of, um, because I was, I was in our, some of you know we do karate and we have a class, and I was in my dojo up in, Broome County before I had moved down here and there was a, a gentleman, it's a long story I don't want to get into because it would take too long to explain it, but he had very severe physical limitations because he had been run over as a baby or as a child, young child and uh, could not walk on his own and he went to the dojo and, and our sensei instructed an advanced black belt to work faithfully with him till he was actually repeating patterns so well that he could walk on his own, he could actually function, go to work, etc. And I uh, found out about this guy. You couldn't miss him when you saw him walking down the street. And he ended up, I found out that he was a brother in Christ. Uh, he had trusted the Lord. But because of all that stress in his body, he died very young. And when he did, they, they looked for the karate pastor and asked if he could do a graveside, and so I did. And I was extremely touched. It's hard not to get emotional about this, but Sensei actually made an honorary black belt with his name in Japanese on it for me to take to the funeral and lay it on the grave. I can imagine some guy, hey, I had to work 16 years to get that. He just... The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Since they had a right to do what he wanted, 
and no black belt in his right mind was going to argue with him. That's for sure. We get some wrong ideas about heaven. I said this last time. When, you know, we are destined for life, right? All of us are destined for life, a life with Christ in glory, a life apart from him. Nevertheless, all will be raised. Scripture's clear about that. We looked at it last week. can look up uh, on the podcast if you missed it just to get the precise verses so you know that I'm not wrong. Oh, you're not wrong if you believe what the Scripture says. We think wrongly. We think about eternity as like a boring thing. Uh, there, was a, there was a great artist back in the last century who quit working, which was one of the greatest tragedies of the last century, Gary Larson's Far Side. <laughs> Anybody remember this one? Gee, I wished I'd brought a magazine, because <laughs> we think that's what it's going to be like. There was one uh was humorous. I thought I would skip it just so I didn't have to have any flack about it, but top half of the ad, uh, top half of the cartoon sees guys with his wings coming into heaven and the angels are meeting and saying, "Welcome to heaven. Here's your harp." And then the other side was, "Welcome to the other place. Here's your accordion." But anyway, that's a it's a little <laughs> musical joke. Jimmy Stir, please forgive me. So so we get it wrong, or or what you see in the in the obituaries. He's gone to the great hunting ground in the sky, right? Let's look at the next one here. Guy just shot a duck. He says, "Are you sure you're supposed to be doing that, Mitch?" <laughs> Up in heaven. Well, it's not like that. You can get rid of that. That's that's bad. That's just bad. We have wrong thinking. We think of it as a boring, endless, and sometimes we all we're going to do is sing songs forever. People who come to church on Sunday and hate singing. Can you imagine how exciting that sounds? Forever. Of course, that's no one in this room who hates singing, of course, but you know what I'm saying. So let's pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to move forward into the whole issue of what is in store for us. What does God have in mind? And the fact that the scripture does say some clear things about reward and blessing and stuff that we'll be doing in eternity. I want to go back to the idea of innocence. We ran out of time last week, but there were specific questions that people have asked me. So let me read some of them. One of the people who asked a question is in the room back from vacation this morning, Emily. Did David's son go to heaven? Everybody know what we're talking about? Abraham. David, the great king who was a model of the Savior, the model of the Messiah coming, falls into heinous sin. The bigger part of the sin. Anybody know what the bigger part was? Who wants to guess? No, it was disobedience, yeah. Huh? Murder. Yeah, the adultery was only one part. He covers it up by killing her husband, right? Yikes! Nevertheless... Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and the Lord allows this child to die. The question becomes, does that child go to heaven? Here's, here's one of the questions. Do David's sons go to heaven? Do all babies slash children go to heaven? And when and this was a great one, by the way. I have to come back to this. When babies die, are they grown up in heaven or are they babies? Now, I've seen the pictures. They're little babies with wings. I've seen that. No, that's not right. So what is the answer? 
All right. Well, let's look at a couple of things. First, let's look at David's response when he fasted and prayed and the child died. Now he has died, David says. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No. I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. This is one of those defining texts. Now, let me be very blunt. I've told you that if we don't know completely, I'll be honest with you. R.C. Sproul, who is a great, well-known instructor of the word, would say, we can't know. Um, Also, the in-between thing would be, would it apply only to those children who are participants of the covenant community? Would it be for them, those who are believers? Or is it for all children? It's up for grabs for people to search out the scripture and find out what it actually says. But I will tell you what my opinion is. Mine is, yes, they do go to heaven because God applies the grace of his Savior Jesus to the people who are innocent, and we'll show what that means in just a second. Now, that becomes a great portion of, uh, of comfort when you consider people in the room today. I know this is, like, hard because people have lost children, people have lost uh, babies in the womb, sometimes they've been defrauded by the abortion industry. We don't like to talk about these things anymore, but the scripture is so clear that there is always hope and there is always healing, and uh, those who have ministries to people who are struggling with crisis like that, uh, more often than not, their position has been exactly what my opinion is. And I have a reason that I hold my opinion. It's not just because I hope so. It's because of portions like this. Is he just saying that he's going to go to the dead, to the zone of the dead? I don't think David would talk that way because David's thinking was revealed in the book of Psalms over and over again. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was certainly an eternal vision person. Job, who would have been a more ancient character as far as we know, says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he stand, He will one day stand on the earth. Even when my body is decaying, in my flesh, resurrected, I will see God. And so many people who have been rescued um, with the gospel coming through that crisis of losing a child uh, have come to the come to rest in the reality that they anticipate seeing their child again. And I want you, I just want you to know, I, every time I used to preach on things like this up north, I wanted to make it crystal clear. If I've been through something like that, God not only loves you, he wants to heal and transform and redeem that suffering, anguish, whatever it is. He wants to redeem it and use it for his glory. Can I broaden that comment? I have found being at Harmony um, a great deal of nervousness to even speak like this because it feels like so many people, and this goes beyond, this goes beyond the baby issue, this goes to multiple issues. We are clinging to our wounds rather than letting God heal them and then using them for his glory. So let me just put that out there. We have not seen the finger of God the way a church should see the finger of God. So I'm just encouraging us with that for the future. So that's the first thing. David says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. How do we know who's innocent? Here's another text. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Anybody recognize this? Behold, a virgin will be with child. That doesn't happen every day, you know. 
Sorry, that was a little joke. I know, I guess that was lost on our culture. Okay, whatever that means. And, what, Virgin? Anyway, we will, will be with child, will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. Christianity for 2,000 years has wrestled with what is the age of accountability? There is no specific age of accountability. It's 13. No, it isn't. It's 18. No, it's not that either. It's when a child comes to the point where they know the difference, what they're doing, and is conscious, this is right and that's wrong, and I'm going to do wrong. That's when we are in great need of rescue. So we don't know an exact age. It has to deal with each particular child. So we believe that, and we, we are uh, encouraging us today, that the innocents have an application. Those who cannot think for themselves, those who have limitations, those who are uh, unborn, uh, young children, it brings a certain amount of comfort. If God applies the grace of the Lord Jesus to those innocent children, doesn't that comfort us when we look at the tragedies that are in the world today and we say, why those innocent children? We don't want to see that happen. God doesn't love it, but at least he's got his hands in there rescuing, and I think heaven will be amazingly populated. It's going to be a fascinating place. What will they look like? Little babies with wings. No. Well, how do you know? I don't. But I'll tell you what I do know, and you know it as well. Do you remember when Jesus and the disciples were walking down the Emmaus Road? Anybody remember? Three of us remember. Okay. Well, there's a story in the Bible that Jesus was raised from the dead, and he's walking down the Emmaus Road with several of his disciples. Does anybody remember? Oh, see? And they're like, did you know what happened in Jerusalem this last weekend? This was amazing, blah, blah, blah. This wonderful prophet named Jesus. We had hoped he was the Messiah. I'm not making this up. It's there, right? They're walking along, and these two guys are like, blah, 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 blah. And they don't even get that they're talking to guess who? How did that happen? We don't totally know. But we do know that somehow Jesus was able to disguise himself. I don't know whether the effect was on their brain or whether he literally looked different because he had a resurrection body. A resurrection body can do amazing things. Angelic beings can morph and do amazing things. So I'll tell you what I think. Again, I haven't been there yet. If I get there and get to come back, I'll fill you in. By the way, I am going to get there, and I am coming back, but hopefully you'll be with me. And by the way, I want everybody in the room to be with me. Some of us are not going to be. If you don't change something, I want you to be with us. Here's what I do know. I'm going to be able to morph sufficiently so that Tim Strait, when we're in glory, will say, Hey, that's Pastor John. But people who knew me when I was 18, young and handsome, and uh, unlike what I look like now, are going to say, you know, who is that? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's Hako. Does that make sense? So I believe even these infants will be able to somehow demonstrate for our mind. 
Why do I think that? Well, not only the body of Jesus was able to do that somehow, but there's more to it. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, then we shall know even as we are known. That's going to be amazing. That was one of the questions I answered last week. Will we know each other in heaven? Absolutely. I don't know how quickly. It might take six billion years before I get to meet you all. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be an activity up there. Not sitting around on a, on a cloud like, where are the magazines? No. We're going to be active. Morphing resurrection bodies. Absolutely astounding. He could eat or not eat. Death couldn't hold him. He could go through walls. He could appear. Remember? That's all in the scripture. We're going to be able to do that. Hard to believe right now. Every time I try to walk through a wall, uh, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) Questions and answers on just that part, and then we're going to proceed. Who did I not answer? I think I answered everybody's question. That's a miracle. Okay. Well, it was just a providence. How's that? Okay, let me make sure I didn't leave one out. Nope, okay. Next, no questions? On we go. Approbation. The second thing on your bulletin, if you're a note taker, first one was innocence, next one is approbation. Anybody know what approbation is? I know what it is to be on probation. When I was in uh, Binghamton, I had my own personal probation officer. You didn't know that, did you? Now, he was a guy in my church. I called him my probation officer. He was a probation officer. He wasn't my personal. That was, it was a joke. <laughs> now they'll be doing a data search on me and, you know, like, get rid of this guy. What's approbation? Huh? Yes. Well done. That's approbation. You get, you get approbated right there. That's what it means, right? So... Learn a little word for the day. Approbation means approval. It means you did well. Uh, You passed the test, that type of a thing. That's what's involved. Let's look at some passages. This is a wonderful text. I love this. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. I'm going to come back to this concept toward the end of my message this morning because I really believe, I'm just going to say it, I believe there are people sitting in Harmony and every other church who think they're on their way to heaven and are not. The perseverance of the saints, the endurance, the word is hupomone, the, the sticking with it endurance through difficulty of the saints who do what? What do they do? Okay, so it's not about coming on Sunday and reciting the Apostles' Creed, but not obeying anything that Jesus says. Who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. I heard a voice in heaven saying, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Isn't that a great line? Okay, uh, okay, we, we can go home now. I thought that was a great line. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's what the Old Testament language is. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. Here it is, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. They may rest from their labors. Rest means they can take a break. 
Literally, that's what it means, a break. Like those of you who are on you know, time clocks and all, and you, it's time for your break now. That's what it is. And that they may cease or rest from their labors. Great word. The word is copas. Have you ever heard of a person taking copious notes? Same word. Labor. Laborious. It's not question time. Laborious work. Laborious work, all right? They rest from their works. Let me just say this, and then I'm going to get you, all right? Um, when is he resting? This was Angela's uh, question. For, I think they're away today, but Angela's question from last week, she, she read um, the passage out of Daniel 12, 13. It goes like this. As for you, go your way, Daniel, to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. When is he resting? Could this mean he rests in faith for the remainder of his days on earth? Or is he resting somewhere waiting for the day of judgment? Number two, he's resting, meaning he's done with his earthly labor. He's in the presence of the Lord. And one day he's going to get his resurrection body and he's going to inherit his inheritance, right? Their deeds follow them. They rest from their labors now. They're blessed in Christ and one day they gain their reward, okay? So that's what it's referring to. That's the kind of rest. What was your question? Ooh, oh, 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 you're stealing my thunder. But one thing should be obvious that on the earth, saints labor. How do we labor? That's a great question, right? I think there are two ways. We wrestle. The Bible says we're going to get into the book of Hebrews this year. You have not yet come to the point of shedding blood in your resisting sin. That's one of your labors is resist. By the way, that's a lost art today. We don't even know what that means. Resisting sin. That's a labor. But serving God to build up his kingdom is also a labor. And so the saints who receive their reward are resting from their labor. Great question. Thank you. So a refreshing break from their labor for now. Here's another part of that question, though, that uh, Angela asked. If their faith and obedience made them righteous, then how do we answer a good Jew or a person who is devout in another faith who assumes that their faith slash obedience are enough? They're not justified by their works. I know that James says, you see that Abraham was justified by his work. What he's getting at is real faith produces action. End of discussion. I used to say this when I used to preach at the Gospel Rescue Mission in Tucson, Arizona, which, by the way, is in the desert. Deserts are dry. So it was probably a bad illustration I used, but I would say to the guys in the rescue mission, you know, if we just got an official National Weather Service report that a flood is coming and is going to wipe out this section of Tucson, if you believe what I'm saying, what would you do? Come on, it's not a trick question. What would you do? Run for your life, right? How long do we have? Which way do we go? What's the safest place? Blah, 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 blah. Right? If you really believe, you do. That's all that means, all right? So 
How did they get righteous? Abraham, the scripture says in the book of Genesis, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. All the deeds come out of it. You understand that social, social justice issues, uh, compassion for the poor, uh, feeding the hungry, like we try to do a little bit. All, right? all of those things are the fruit that come out of the gospel. You have to believe the gospel first for it to count. I want to be aligned with God emotionally, uh, uh, spiritually, so that my deeds will precede me. My deeds follow me to glory. The perseverance of the saints. Let me just mention one other thing here. There's a passage in Scripture. I'm going to look at one other text in a second. We must all appear. You'll all recognize it. Well, those of you who have been Christians for a while, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a section that says when we put off this body, we were earnestly longing for the next body. When we lay down this tent, we look forward to the body uh, like Jesus had. And in that same chapter, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We don't hear a lot about that kind of stuff. That we will be judged. There'll be approbation or probation. I don't know which. What would probation look like in heaven? Can't be too bad. There's not going to be any mistakes. You know, we think, well, does God really know? By the way, this book that I'm going to close with a couple of lines from, Life God Rewards by Bruce Wilkinson. He was the one that had through the Bible, the, the, that, there used to be seminars. Remember those seminars? What was it called? Walk through the Bible. That was it. He was the inventor, right? And, uh, in the front of his little book here, let me see if I can find this. I love this says, dedication. For those who might be wondering today if God notices or cares. Wow. He does. And there'll be no mistakes. Unlike this character here in, uh, in uh, Gary Larson, through some unfortunate celestial error, Ernie is sent to hog heaven. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Those who are his are going to make it to the right heaven. <laughs> There's only one. And, uh, and those who are not his will not. So let me show you the next passage of Scripture and make commentary as I work my way through it. This is a classic text in Corinthians. Paul had a lot of insight and gave his life fully for the sake of the gospel, including martyrdom at the end of his life. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. What's he talking about? Paul and Barnabas, Silas, all those guys traveled around the then-known world, planted churches, established small groups of believers, and went on their way. Other preachers and teachers came and built those saints up, right? helped those churches grow. Other people build on it. But let's each man... Oh, yeah. As a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and others building on it. Let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Here's a key verse. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. It all starts there. 
I have to be connected to Jesus Christ, not to a church, not to your uncle Mortimer who was a preacher. That's not going to do it. You have to be connected to Jesus the Christ, the one who died for your sins. It starts there. Now if I start to lay bricks on top of that foundation, I start to build, I start serving, I start laboring, now I'm building wisely. Next slide. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, two different kinds of material, right? First one sound pretty good. Probably lasts a while, don't you think? Second one, not so much. Each man's work will become evident. The day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire, which is a picture of testing, like smelting ore so you get the quality out of the dross, right? It's the same idea. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work and woman. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. Oh, here's a nasty, rotten verse. But he himself shall be saved, yet as so through fire. Yikes! I want to give you a little hint here. What we do now matters then. Come, blessed of my Father, Jesus said. Come into the glorious kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Because I was thirsty and you... I was hungry and you go on and on and on. You labored for me. Come, blessed ones, into the great reward. All right, so how many of us are married? You don't have to raise your hand. How many? How many, how many of us are happily married? Yay! <clears throat> Anybody know what emotional bank accounts are? You invest emotionally. You invest into the bank account. So I'm going to talk because I'm a male and I understand my wife's femininity a little. <laughs> 45 years later, I kind of get her. And I invest. I know the things that she likes, that she values. I know what matters. So I invest. So I make deposits into the account. And then I really screw up. I know that's never happened to any of you guys out there, but I really messed up. Like I'm going to mess up this morning if I preach past a quarter after, because she already told me. She's downstairs working, and you got to let us out. We can't take And I said, okay, honey. So I mess up. And um, I've just taken debits out, right? So right after that, I just debited my account, and I come back, and I wonder why she's not looking really warm and fuzzy toward me. I need to make some more bank account deposits, right? Everybody, you understand what I mean. When you're really dealing with difficult people, it's the kind of person, I'm going to be crass. Here's a guy has an affair on his wife. But after all, I bought her dinner every week for this many years. I did this, I did this, I did this. I fixed the sink, I did that. And you just don't realize, you just put it in the red, baby. You just wiped it out, and you think she should just sort of get over it. 
That's kind of the way this thing works. The first shall be last. Remember our opening story? Everybody's coming in with a denarius. Hey, I've been at this all day. Hey, I've been there 20 minutes and I got the whole day's pay. They want to beat him up, right? I don't know. Do you remember when we had the video clip of, of um, Billy Graham? And they said, you like this passage, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you think you're going to hear that from Jesus? Did anybody pay attention? What did he say? I don't know. I hope so. Why? Because I don't know how many debits and how many credits. I can't keep track. There's only one person I know can. I have committed unto him against that day all that I have done. He'll sort it out. I trust him to be fair and just with me. And it'll be great. It'll be great. But I want to be involved. No service ends up, if you're in the kingdom, if you're really in the kingdom and you're not, you're not choosing to put your hand to anything, let me just be honest. You're coming up with a debited account. You're going to be in the red. Just telling you what it says. You'll get in as through by fire, it said. Do you really want to live that way? For, rethink your retirement here, guys. Rethink it. What really matters? Some service, you may break even. I don't know. Maybe a little above. Good service, there's some kind of reward. What are samples of hay, stubble, all of that? I've been serving the Lord. Here's a question for you. This is a great little article years ago called Not to be Served, but to Serve. All right. Uh, the Son of God came to serve rather than to be served. This is a point of learning how to deal with our flesh. That's what this whole article is about. Why we cheat ourselves from reward. Let me just read two examples. So I'm serving the Lord. Are you serving the Lord? Let us consider something of more importance. You're engaged in Christian work as a Sunday school teacher, deacon, leader of a house group, or an organist? Oh, um, yes. You are guitar player. You are thinking of giving up the work. Why? Because of ill health or lack of time, pressing duties at home? No, none of these are the reasons. Is there no longer a need for your service? Is the opportunity to serve taken away from you? No, the need is as great as ever. Why are you giving up? Well, you had expected your service to be interesting and to bring you in touch with others, cool people. That wasn't in there, I added that. To give you a position in the church, you thought you would like it, and you did for a little while, but now you're tired of it. You expected the work to serve your needs, and as long as it did, you were willing to go on with it. But now that you realize, meh, you're not getting so much out of it, you'll give it up. But the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You've done something kind for someone. You've done someone a favor. It cost you something to do it. Naturally, you thought your goodness would be appreciated, but it wasn't. Can you imagine there are people like that out there? It wasn't, at least not as much as you think it ought to have been. You expected profuse thanks, but your friend took it calmly. You're disgusted. You wish you hadn't bothered to help him at all. You feel half inclined to say you will never do anybody a kindness again. Why? You have served another. You have helped someone who was in need, but you wanted to be thought exceedingly generous. You expected thanks and praise and a little flattery, too. What's the matter with you people? 
I'm waiting. You get what I'm saying? Missing the point. That's how you end up having debits out of your account. Because God judges not just your activities. He knows your very soul. Do you understand we lie naked before him? He knows every thought you have, every wicked motivation, as spiritual as it looks on Sunday, he knows what's going on in here. That's why Billy Graham can say, I hope so. That's why I say, I hope so. And I've been at this for 45 years. Hope so. All right, I'm going to close with this. We're called to serve him. We have opportunity to do that, and we're missing it. You've only got one life, friends. There's no reincarnation. As long as I'm talking about the dead, we might as well be blunt. You don't recycle. If that's true, I'm putting my chips on being a house cat for sure. (laughs) Don't have to do anything but be obnoxious for the rest of my existence. Can you imagine? Don't, I love, I'm a cat person. Don't, 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 don't start on me. Okay. I said this last week. The teachings of Jesus show us there are two keys that determine everything about your eternity. The first key is your belief. This key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. The second key is your behavior. It unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. How? Nothing is clearer, John Calvin wrote, that that a reward promised to good works in order to support the weakness of our flesh by some good comfort, not to inflate our minds with vain glory. It's so that we labor with expectation that Jesus is good and he's going to give me maybe two denarius. <laughs> Woohoo! Ah, last one. John Wesley said this. There is an inconceivable variety of degrees of reward in the other world. Let not any slothful slothful one say, if I get to heaven at all, I'll be content. Such one may let go of heaven altogether. In worldly things, men and women are ambitious to get as high as they can. Christians have far more noble ambition. The difference between the very highest and the lowest state in our world is nothing to the smallest difference between the degrees of glory. I have a feeling we need to rethink our retirements. I want to live a little bit better than I have here. How about you? Let's stand together. My wife will love me if I only violate five minutes. (laughs) If this morning someone is saying, I don't know that I'm in that kingdom family, that eternal family that Jesus shed his blood to rescue, I'm inviting you to come talk to one of our leaders. Immediately, I'll be up here at the front. Don't go home. You have no guarantee of tomorrow without knowing Jesus as Savior. If you are a child of God and you know you're living for the world, I see it all over this assembly. We're living for the world. We're pursuing the almighty stuff. It's empty. It's going to burn up. I'm praying, Father, that you would help us rethink our retirement 
in the great name of Jesus, would you help your struggling, feeble flock for your name's sake and your glory, King Jesus, help us today, we pray in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, and off you go and get your kids.